everyone. How's it going today? Yeah, awesome. Hey, let's give a round of applause to Pastor Kevin uh, for, um, yeah, for preaching his first sermon this morning at Medina East. Uh, it was great. I'm just kidding. It was a lot of announcements, but uh, a lot of good things happening. So we are super excited about uh, all things that are happening at Medina and, and next weekend, which would be cool. So some of that stuff. But um, I'm also excited about things that we did last weekend, okay? But uh, before that, I should probably introduce myself. If you don't know me, I'm Steve, okay? So I'm one of the pastors here. I get to help lead our Give It Away ministry, which is how we try to share the story and message of Jesus to our community and to our world. So if we've never met before, I'll be hanging out afterwards. We'd love to meet you. But last weekend was awesome, okay? So I want to say welcome back. For those of you, uh, maybe you're here for the first time, uh, welcome for the first time. Maybe you haven't been here in a while, welcome back. But also welcome everyone back because we didn't have normal church services last weekend. We did something called Love Medina. Who here was part of that with us today? All right. Awesome. Cool. So a lot of you. And so I just want to say, for those of you who were here that did Love Medina last weekend, thank you. Thank you so much for your sacrificial serving and loving of our community as we went out and served our community. It was an amazing time. And for those of you who uh, weren't part of that or didn't get a chance to be part of Love Medina, um, don't worry, we'll do it next year. And so we can look forward to that. And if you're wondering, what is Love Medina? Well, that's this new thing that we're doing every year where we're trying to say, hey, instead of uh, taking a weekend off, we're going to take a weekend out and go into our community and love our community with various service projects and things like that. And so that's what we were able to do last weekend. In fact, I have some stats, okay? So I'm not really a stats guy. I'm kind of more, when it comes to these kind of things, like I know there's value in like celebrating things we do. I'm more on the side of like, the, uh, the Bible talks about like keep things secret. So I'm more on that kind of side of things. But, but I will give some stats because there's some stuff worth celebrating. Um, but I do want to further clarify, okay? I do want to further clarify that as I give these stats of Love Medina, and that's the logo for Love Medina we, we did. Um, I just want to say, we do not see people as a project, okay? We don't see people as a project. We don't see um, the stats or the things that we've done as something that's like, hey, we checked off the box of our religion, nothing like that. And if you've been part of this series, Salt and Light, hopefully you've kind of caught that heart and that vision and that mindset of being salt and light to our community. So that's just my disclaimer. I feel like I have to say out loud. Make sense? Okay, to one of you, it makes a ton of sense. That's great. Well, hey, here's some cool stats, all right? So with Love Medina, we actually had 441 volunteers registered, okay? So that was awesome. We had even more um, people that just showed up, um, people that just came to our church for the first time, and so that was a great thing. So over 441 volunteers, but 441 registered, and we had, uh, out of those, 64 kids under 12, and so I think that's exciting because this isn't just for adults, like um, following Jesus, uh, loving people, doing good things, not just for adults, for everybody, and we get our whole church involved in that. And so out of these 441 plus people, um, we had 43 teams that were formed. And those teams, what they did was we went to 29 different homes doing various projects like throwing down mulch, painting stuff, all kinds of things like that. We went to three elementary schools to help out in those ways. We served at a couple of our ministry partners, Cups Cafe, which is a uh, free community cafe in Medina, and then Oasis of Hope, which is a um, uh, Christ-centered parenting and pregnancy support center. We did some stuff for them for Habitat for Humanity, actually some of our young adults, which a lot of them are at a retreat right now, which is really cool, um, but some of our young adults started um, building a home a while ago, and they started to uh, help continue to build that home with Habitat. 
We did stuff at Medina Community Garden. Um, we did some stuff at Motel 6, and so we were able to provide some meals at Motel 6. Actually, we've been able to do that all month on Saturday, which has been awesome. Uh, we also had a home team, so we had some people doing some work um, around the campus so that we can uh, continue to love people this way <laughs> by having a, a clean and nice campus, and so we thank you for that team. We also had a card-writing team here. I'll talk about that in a second, but we basically... Probably did over 100 meals served between Cups Cafe and Motel 6, and about 75 cards. These, this group of people um, wrote out uh, really encouraging um, encouragement and prayer cards to police, fire um, department, teachers, and things like that. And then we packed about 10 or 20 of these boxes, um, these birthday boxes. We, we've done this in the past where we've made birthday boxes for uh, kids in foster care. And so those are some of the things that we did. So congratulations, church. You guys did an awesome job. Give yourselves a hand. That was so cool. And so I think, um, yeah, I think we'll do it again. That was fun. So let's do that. We should just leave right now and go do it again. Uh, that'd be great for me. I'm tired. All right. Anyways, enough about me. Um, before we get too proud of ourselves, let's go to Matthew 5, okay? Um, let's go to Matthew 5. Let's remember exactly why we would even do these things, why we would put these stats on the board here, why we would go out into our community, take a weekend out and things like that. And so if you've been with us through Salt and Light, this is the last part of this series. We've been in Matthew 5, and we've been in basically verses 13 to 16. So that's where we'll be. And um, if you recall, um, we're talking about what, like, what does Jesus have to say to his followers? And so he kind of gives a status or a brand to his followers and says that he says a couple things about um, those who follow Jesus. He says, you're the salt of the earth. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. And he goes on to say, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And so that was week one. We talked about that. Week two, the next part here, Jesus also gives this brand or status to followers of Jesus saying that you are the light of the world. Going on to say, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Okay, so that was the first couple weeks. We did those things, and then we did Love Medina. This weekend, we're going to end really just focusing on verse 16, and really just one little kind of phrase here. So Jesus goes on to say, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds. Not just see your good deeds, but see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, there you have it. That's why we would do something like Love Medina. That, that we would collectively, as um, the, the Jesus' expression of the local church here in Medina, that we would be salt and be light to our community. That we would take our saltiness in the best way possible. There's other ways you can view saltiness, sometimes not a, bad, uh, sometimes not a good thing. But take our saltiness in the most positive way and instead of clump it together, um, spread it out throughout our community. And then take us as individuals, as individual lights, and um, focus that energy out into our community, out into a weekend for the benefit of others and for the shalom or the peace of our community. And so, hopefully, then people see that our church isn't just this building that sits here, this thing irrelevant out there, but is an integral part of our community, like for real. And so I pray for that. I pray for those things. I pray that um, our community has seen our good deeds, has seen all the people that we're serving and seen their good deeds, 
And not just uh, the things that they did, not just the, the mulch that they spread, the, the weed-destroying tactics they had, the tree-yanking skills, or whatever else you guys did. Some of you guys did some crazy things. Someone had a tractor? I don't know. It was wild. But you guys did some cool things, okay? But um, I pray that our community didn't just see those things. I pray that our community saw those things and, what, glorified our Father in heaven, that they would see our good works see our good deeds, and not just say, oh, look at those good people, look at that good church, but that they would say, wow, there's a good God that they serve. So I just want all that praise to be to Jesus, because it's not our good deeds or good works that make us salt and light. Jesus says that you are salt and life, that you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been transformed and renewed in your mind and your heart, and as a result, we can't help but to do good works, because we've been saved because we are following Jesus. We are compelled to good works. And so we're not here to promote such and such life group that did whatever. We're not here to promote the name of Grace Church or our give it away team, but to be, as the Bible often suggests, a pleasing aroma, a fragrant offering to the Lord. And so let Jesus have all the glory in all of that. Okay, so let's talk then about good deeds or good works. I've used that interchangeably. Um, The NIV, maybe you have that if you're using a Bible in our chairs here. The NIV here says good deeds. I actually prefer uh, good works, and I'll tell you why in a second. Maybe just because I'm a nerd and I like to talk about different words in the Greek and blah, blah, blah. I won't get too crazy on that. But um, I, as I was studying this passage and studying the, um, uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes and all these things that we've talked about already and Jesus' commands, I thought this was very interesting. This uh, commentary from a guy named Bruner who wrote a commentary on Matthew. He says this, to put the Eucharist in their still larger context, for they are the bridge between the Beatitudes and the commands. Obeying the immediately following commands defines almost exactly your kind of good works. The good works, namely, of a biblical piety expressed in the conquest of anger, lust, and infidelity, as well as in the avoidance of oaths, revenge, and hatred. These kinds of good works, perhaps especially the unusual love of enemies, will mark true disciples on earth and so glorify their Father in heaven. This is a little bit over your head. What Bruner is saying is that something actually really simple. Bruner is saying that um, when you read this passage in its context, being the Sermon on the Mount and understanding a little bit of the Greek, that um, uh, what, what we're really referring to, what Jesus is referring to is your kind of good works. Okay, Tony mentioned this a couple weeks ago. He was, he was saying when he said, when Jesus says, you are the salt, you are the light, it's actually better to say you all. And so he's talking to a specific type of person. He's like, you all are the salt. You, everyone who's followers of Jesus, you, you are the salt, you are the light, distinct, okay? And in the same way, when he's talking about your kind of good works, he's saying specifically, followers of Jesus, you have a kind of good works to you that is normative only of a disciple, a follower of Jesus and no other. So often in the scriptures, for example, the church um, is uh, referred to as the called out ones or uh, the followers of Jesus are distinct from or unique to their culture. And so as followers of Jesus, we can be defined by our unique good works. Okay, and what I'm not saying is that good works is how you become saved. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying 
uh, we do good works and therefore we become saved. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that uh, to be a follower of Jesus, you must do good works, but it is absolutely necessary and normative of a follower of Jesus to do good works and to do specific and unique types of good works. And so to prove that point a little bit, I'm going to quote another guy who quotes another guy. Okay, if you're not following, that's okay. But basically this guy, Matthew Bates, in this book, Gospel Allegiance, he quotes this theologian, Luther. He says this, even while championing faith alone, Luther expresses an ardent love for works, urging their necessity. We therefore maintain that faith justifies us apart from any works, although we must not draw the conclusion that we have no need to do any good works. Nay, rather, works of the right kind must not be neglected. Works of the right kind must not be neglected. So I'll have to say that there is a right and a wrong kind of good works, a right and wrong kind of works that is normative of a disciple of Jesus practicing the way of Jesus. There are works that are different from a follower of Jesus than someone who does not follow Jesus. What's the difference? Well, I was actually talking about this point with um, a guy who was discipling me this last week, and he was saying, yeah, um, the big difference between, for example, a follower of Jesus spreading mulch and then one who is not following Jesus and spreading the mulch, um, the big difference there is the presence of God. The one who is following after Jesus, they bring with us not just good things, not just good works, they bring with them the presence of God. It's different. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so we bring that with us as we do good works, as we love others. In fact, going back to our context of our text, and as Bruner alluded to, Jesus seems to be stating clearly, even throughout Matthew 5 and Matthew 6, as we go further in the Sermon on the Mount, we'll see that Jesus talks about some of those bad works, some of those things that should not be normative of a follower of Jesus, along with some of the good works that would be normative of the Christian worker. I'm not going to get too much into those because uh, we'll be continuing in this series and talking about uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Nonetheless, some of the bad works that Jesus will talk about are things like anger, lust, divorce, improper use of our words, of our oaths, improper use of our bodies, improper use of our sex, of sexuality, of retaliation, and things like this. Jesus will say a lot of those things in, those, in certain ways shouldn't be normative of the follower of Jesus. Um, I was with Pastor Tony. We had lunch this last uh, week, and he said it this way. I'll just put a, if you don't know who Pastor Tony is, this is, uh, this is him right here. And he said this. <laughs> uh, he said, bad doesn't work, good does. And so the, the great theologian, Pastor Tony, that, that's what he said. Bad doesn't work, good does. And I think that's so true. And if you're wondering, what is that all about? Well, you might have missed uh, the sermon a few weeks ago or something where Tony shared this story about his uh, driver's license. Ask him about it if you didn't hear about it. But um, I'll probably be fired now. He's not here this weekend, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but he did say this. I thought it was funny. Bad doesn't work, good does. And Tony, he's, he's so smart. It's so true. Like, bad doesn't work, good does. Anyways, before we get off track. Okay, so, but Jesus does get into some good works, okay? Looking at uh, chapter 5 to chapter 6, we do see the good works that Jesus is talking about. He's saying some good works that are normative of a follower of Jesus is uh, loving your enemy, of giving to the needy, to the poor, of prayer, and not just prayer, but acting on our prayers as well, as modeled in the Lord's Prayer. Um, fasting is a good work that we can do. Uh, laying up treasures, not here on earth, but in heaven. That is a good work normative of a follower of Jesus. These are all good works. 
And by the way, I think it's good to note too that the word good can also be translated as beautiful. I thought that was really interesting to see. If you look up that word good, it's translated beautiful or handsome. And so we're not talking about just moral goods, you know, morally good things. Sometimes when we think good, we think morality, but don't think of it that way. Think of like beautiful, God-approved works that followers of Jesus are doing. So for that point, let me help us define good works. I think this is a really good baseline for what we're talking about, what good works actually are. I think if we could say it this way, good works glorify Jesus and lead others in self to Jesus. Like pretty simple. If we're talking about what good works should we do if we're a follower of Jesus, what does it look like? What's the goal? What, what are we trying to achieve? We're trying to achieve the glory of Jesus. We're trying to lead others to Jesus. We're trying to lead ourselves to Jesus. Anything other than that is just a different type of good works. If we're leading people to ourself and promoting us, then that's a different type of good works possibly. Are we, is our good works producing this? Is it showing the glory of God? Is it leading others and ourselves to God, to Jesus? So that's a good way to define it. And now I think um, this brings me to some thoughts on common fallacies, okay? I wanna talk about this for a second. I wanna talk about some common fallacies around good works or good deeds, some that I've often heard personally, maybe you've heard as well, and we'll kind of talk through this in light of Jesus' teaching. And so number one, common fallacy is this. Sometimes we do this math in our head, whether, we, whether we're intentional about it or not. Sometimes we'll say, doing good equals good things happen to me. Okay, and if you're, by the way, if you're taking a picture of this, just please keep that part. Like, I'm not saying this is what I believe or the Bible says, okay? So do it, we, the common fallacy is that we sometimes equate doing good to equaling good things will or must happen to me. So that's a common fallacy that we think, um, put it this way, we think in fleshly math instead of kingdom math. And if you're wondering um, what kind of language or if you're not familiar with that language, it's because no one uses that language, just I'm just doing it, okay? Uh, it's a biblical thing we could look at, but... The idea is that oftentimes, I don't know if this has happened to you, it's happened to me, sometimes I'll think, oh yeah, well, if I do good things, then good things will happen back to me. Like, okay, I'll do this thing because I know that it'll be returned to me, okay? Um, that, that's not always true. That's not always the case. We've got to watch our motivation in doing that. Are we doing just good deeds because we're expecting or wanting good things to happen back to us and then we get um, our expectations blown out of the water when that doesn't happen? That could happen to us. And so I would say that maybe the Bible would talk about this is kind of doing fleshly math or thinking in terms of our flesh or our nature or our sin nature. But kingdom math, kingdom math suggests that even when you do do good, bad things might still happen. Okay, seems like common sense, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes we get like disappointed or we say, well, what's going on to me? Like I'm following Christ, I'm doing all that I can and bad things are still happening to me. That wears on us. But we need to know that that doesn't always equate to this. In fact, Matthew 5, just before Jesus gets into salt and light, we talked about this a few weeks back, Jesus says, blessed are you when others revile and persecute you. Blessed are you. What's up with that? Yeah, blessed are you when you do good works. When you do good deeds, blessed are you if people revile you for it. If people that, like, know that that will happen. In fact, that happened to Jesus. He did good works on the Sabbath, and he got persecuted. He got, um, the religious leaders didn't like a lot of things that he was doing, even on the Sabbath. So we see that happen even with Jesus. Another common fallacy, doing good, sometimes we equate it to this. Doing good equals, I'm a good person. 
and good people go to heaven. This is kind of a tougher one, but the reality is that good people don't go to heaven. Simply being good, simply seeing our good works and supposed to let that produce salvation, that's just not true. And, and I've gotten in arguments with this before, and I've had people walk away from Jesus on this before. I've had people really wrestle with this before. Well, what about this person? They're a good person. Okay, well, good works are just a response to Jesus' saving work on the cross. It's a response to. We don't earn that in any way. God has given that to us. We don't do good works to be saved. We do good works because we know what we have been saved from, and we model that after the one who saved us, right? So there's many ways to Jesus. There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus. Jesus says that himself. I am the way, I'm the life, the truth, all of that. So good works can, can point to Jesus, but they're not where we get salvation. It's our allegiance to Jesus, our abiding relationship in him that brings us close to him, not what we do, right? But it is important to do good works still. Okay, another common fallacy. Doing good, sometimes we think this way. Doing good equals giving people or organizations money. We often, maybe in the, the Western thought or the kind of uh, culture we live in, we, we tend to think money is a solution to a lot of problems. Okay, that's not always true. <laughs> in fact, it's just like, in a lot of cases, it can be damaging and it can be enabling when we simply just give money as good works. I've seen that personally. I help oversee our um, pastoral care here, and um, there's a lot of stories that I just won't share because of privacy, but we have seen that um, just simply giving money doesn't fix people's problems. It might seem like a good deed, but sometimes it's the worst thing that you can do for somebody. Sometimes it's damaging. Sometimes it's enabling. And it's really tricky because it seems like a good thing, and a lot of times it is, but sometimes that can be damaging. That can be enabling. And we do things like this. We do five and change, something I'll talk about later. But we do ask the church, like, hey, could you give so we can do something? And we try to do the best we can to be um, uh, responsible with all that money and with doing those things. And so I think that our church does that well. But it's something that we definitely got to look after, okay? And the other thing to think of in this point is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been given spiritual gifts. You have multiple, probably, spiritual gifts, not just giving, and so we got to tap into those. we got to use all those spiritual gifts that God has given us, gifts of mercy and other things like that, where um, it's not just giving money, but how else can we use our spiritual gifts, not for the benefit of us, but for the benefit of others? As Romans 12 talks about, to be, to you see our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and which is your spiritual worship. And so we should worship God through our giving um, but giving of ourself, of our time, and our gifts and our abilities. So keep that thought into our good works as well. Lastly, for the common fallacies here, sometimes I think we say this, that doing good equals that I shared the gospel. Sometimes we think simply doing good, that means that we have shared the gospel. Well, simply doing good alone does not provide eternal hope for others. We can do all the good that we can, and we should, we should do good. But if we don't do it in the name of Jesus, if the name of Jesus isn't spoken out of our lips, if we're not sharing the message and the story of Jesus, then we are not sharing the gospel. Simply doing good deeds or good works do not just equate to sharing the gospel. And it, sometimes when we do that, we can take the credit instead of Jesus. Okay, I have a quick story to share. Um, 
I, uh, I help lead uh, a video game ministry called Forge Gaming. And so if you didn't know I was a nerd, now you do. So hopefully that doesn't completely discredit me. But it's all in the sake of the ministry. I, was, I promise you, okay? And so uh, it's this video game ministry. Reach out to people. And um, we're trying to start some small groups and figure out how to do that. And so I reached out to a couple guys in our ministry. And they are not followers of Jesus. And I said, hey, um, you guys play this game. I play that game too. But what if we met? for four hours every Wednesday night, and we play this game together, but we also share our life together, and I tell you about Jesus. Snuck that in a little bit. And I didn't know what kind of response, and they were like, yeah, sure, let's do it. I was like, well, okay, (laughs) all right. So um, one of those guys is actually my cousin, who I started reconnecting with lately. Um, And um, man, the first time we met, online, playing this game together, and um, I remember my cousin Jeff was like, so... Like, I know you're like this pastor guy thing now. Like, what, what do you do? And I was like, well, what do you think I do? And it was a wacky response. And so I was like, no, it's not any of that stuff. But here's what I do. I, like, do this thing called give it away. We, like, try to love people, try to do this. And at the time, um, I, I shared with him that um, our life group was serving some meals at Motel 6. I was like, yeah, my life group, uh, we're going to do this this next weekend. And he stopped me, and he was like, he's like, man, you're such a good person. You're, like, a really good person. And I think his response was twofold. Number one, he was like, I grew up with you. Something's changed. Like, you're different now. Okay, so I'm like, yeah, okay. But the second response, I think he was just thinking, man, like, I'm, I don't do those things. I'm, I'm not a good person. I never think of things that way. Like, you're a really good person. And I remember a split second being like, you know what, Jeff? Like, yeah, I am a good person. Like, thank you for finally noticing. Like, I do good things and all this and all that. And I, I felt myself just getting, like, full of myself and being like, yeah, you know what? I, I do want that credit right now. I do want to feel that way. But then immediately after, I felt God just convicting me, saying, no, I need to share with my cousin, like, the reason why I would do good things. I remember stopping him and saying, no, man, I'm, I got to tell you, like, I am not a good person. It wasn't too shocking after I remembered growing up with me in childhood. But, uh, but I was like, man, I'm not a good person. And he was like, well, what do you mean? And, and I wrestled with this because I'm like, do I really want to have this conversation right now? I, I don't want to be like rude and just like interrupt him and be like, oh, I don't want any like fake humility or anything like that. But I felt compelled to say, man, I'm not a good person. I, if you knew my thought life, if you knew, well, you knew me growing up, uh, right? But if you knew like why I do things sometimes, my motivation isn't always perfect. Like sometimes, honestly, it's easy to be like, oh, I'll do things because it's part of my job as a pastor, right? I get paid to do good things or whatever. And so sometimes my motivation isn't always there. And so I'm like, Jeff, like, that's just not true. In fact, if you like knew some of the things I believe, you probably wouldn't think the same way either. And so we got to have this conversation, got to share boldly the gospel with him in that moment. And so for us, when we think about this, man, doing good doesn't just equal I share the gospel. In fact, we got to tell people that, lest we get the credit, lest I get the credit for being a good person. We got to give that credit to God. We got to share that message boldly when somebody asks us to do that. Now, that's going to be weird, okay? It's weird to talk to my cousin that way, but it doesn't have to be entirely weird. You know, some people have shared the gospel in, in, in interesting ways. You know, sometimes it's like you go up to someone and think about this, for example. If you go up to somebody you've never met and you said, hey, let's go camping. Do you want to go camping? That'd be real weird, right? And so there's a, probably a right way and a wrong way to share the gospel too, right? And sometimes it could create friction as well. And so sometimes people get mad at you. I've had times before where I've, as gently as I could, shared the gospel with somebody and they have been mad with me or call me like aggressive or pushy. And the, the truth is that the gospel is pretty offensive. Like letting somebody know that like 
hey, like, I was the same way. Like, um, I believe that all people have, are, are under this thing called sin, that we are detached from a relationship with God and that the way that we live our life is not the way God wants us to live and you should follow Jesus because he is the right way. That is not a good message for a lot of people. A lot of people will be mad at you. <laughs> a lot of people will persecute and revile you and be um, really upset with you talking to them about that. Sometimes the best thing to do, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do good, right? I think you understand that. Sometimes the best thing, though, is to wait. Sometimes the best thing is to wait. If you're here and you're like, man, I did Love Medina last week, and I did the best mulch job that I could, but I didn't share the gospel at all, I don't think you should feel guilty about that. I don't. I think this stuff is going to take time. Like, hopefully, that homeowner will see him again. Hopefully, we'll build relationships with them again next year, or hopefully not even just next year. Hopefully, we've connected with those people in relationship that we can see him again, and we wait for an opportunity to share a gospel, share the gospel. Sometimes that's the best thing we can do is wait for an opportunity. As we're doing good, wait for someone to ask you, say, hey, why, like, why are you doing those things? Hey, why are you taking a week off to go to Mexico? There you go. That's your in. That's your opening to share with them the gospel. Okay, so those are just some fallacies. Doing good doesn't just always mean that I share the gospel. We have to share the story and message of Jesus with people as well. Um, so, all right, with all of that, kind of, uh, I don't know if you're asking this question, but I've been like, where do we go from here with all of that then? Do we just like congratulate ourselves, say, man, look at us, we did some good things, we're praising Jesus, and man, I can't wait till next year when we do Love Medina again. Is that what we should do? Yes and no. <laughs> um, yes and no. I think we should let something like Love Medina, let's let that be a rallying point for us. Let's let that be something that was an event that we did last weekend. We're looking forward to it for next year. But for now, let that be something that has spurred us on to love and good deeds in our everyday life. When we leave this place, when we go to work, when we interact with our family, when we do whatever we're doing, let that be a rallying point, a refresher for us to see, like, look, the church, we are doing this. We can do this not just a one-time event, not just wait for the church to give us tools and resources, though we will, but to say, you know what, I can do that. I am going to follow Jesus that way. I am the salt. I am the light. I can do good works and let that be attributed to Jesus in my everyday life. So I want it to be a rallying point for that. And so because of that, we need those rallying points. We need those tools. We need those initiatives from our church. And I just want to share with you some of those initiatives that we have now as a way to kind of close out and give you some practicality around being salt, being light, and doing good deeds. The first initiative is not really a new initiative at all. It's something that we are calling neighboring, okay? And so it's not really a new initiative for two senses. One, Jesus has been saying this for a long time, okay? We're like, what should we call this thing where we're going to, like, love people and love our neighbors? Jesus said, love your neighbors, so we'll call it neighboring, okay? Very innovative, right? And we're calling it neighboring. This is our new uh, initiative. Also, we've been doing this for the last year, okay? So let me try to explain this the best I can. Last year, we started Love Medina, Actually, we started with our life groups. We said, hey, um, I remember at the time I was getting with the mayor and Christine from Love, Inc. right across the way, a ministry partner of ours. And we were like, um, the mayor was like, hey, I would love for you guys to revitalize this thing called Love Medina, which is what we, um, some churches in Medina had done it years past, but got away from it. And so we're like, okay, cool. And Pastor Tony was looking to me, hoping that we would get something like a go out and serve weekend. And I'm like, well, that makes sense. Let's do that. Let's do Love Medina. 
So last year, we did that with our life groups exclusively, and um, basically, COVID happened, so we had to pivot a lot of that. And so we got to pivot in a really cool way. I think God used it in a really awesome way to let it become what it is now. So we pivoted Love Medina a little bit, um, not just going to homes, but we're like, okay, this COVID thing is a reality. There's people hurting, and there's needs from that. So what we did was we launched an application for people to apply for various types of COVID-related help and needs. Um, We then got a group of volunteers together who would be willing to serve people in these various ways and these needs. And so we put this Love Medina group together. There's like 250 of you in this group now um, that we put together. And then we used Gracelink, which is like our church software. It's how we manage our people and our groups. And we said, hey, when we get a need in from our community, we'll blast that out to our group. And it'll be like a needs request. You can tap on it and say, I got it. And that person will fulfill it. And so we did that, and we had a lot of people fulfill a lot of needs. Fast forward to now, we've served a ton of people. We've served hundreds of people. I should probably have some stats, but again, I don't like to get all crazy about this stuff, but we have served hundreds of people. Let me just do a disclaimer, too. I'll share with what some of the needs that we do um, are are able to to serve in that group. But I do want to say that um, we haven't been able to meet all the needs either. Um, I I mentioned this earlier, but sometimes people equate help to give me money or other things like that. And for as many people as we have helped, there have been some people that we haven't helped. I just want to say that because if you're here today and maybe you're here because you got invited or we've done good works or whatever um, and we haven't been able to help you, there's some things that we haven't been able to help with. There's some needs that we think in love we want to help you this way and they're not received well. And so I just do want to say a disclaimer. We do hard things here. It's one of our values, and one of those hard things is trying to love people with long-term help, not just Band-Aids and things like that. But anyways, we have helped. We've helped uh, provide groceries to people, um, whether because of uh, COVID-related issues or finances. Um, We've helped people move into their next house or their first apartment, maybe from being homeless. We've helped furnish people's homes that had nothing. We've helped people with their utilities before they got shut off because they were in genuine need. We've offered mentorship and discipleship to people without a support system or family in the area. We've fed countless people, and the best part is we're forming relationships. That's what it's all about. That's what neighboring's about. That's what Love is about. How do we form relationships that will lead to gospel conversations? And we form relationships with people that might have never had a positive experience with the church before. And so um, when we get those requests, I will say like days or weeks go by where we have no requests at all. Sometimes days will go by where we have a ton of requests. Even still, I have to say like our group of volunteers, they have taken the needs seriously. And almost immediately, whenever we put a need out, someone in that group takes it like right away. In fact, some of the feedback we've gotten is, hey, Steve, um, I love to serve people, but every time I click on the link, it's already taken. And I'm like, awesome, that's a good problem to have. We'll try to serve and love more people. It's good, okay? All to say, you guys are amazing. The volunteers, the people that serve um, in and out of our church, you are amazing. And it's not because you're good people or because you think you're good people. It's because you've been transformed by a good God and have been commissioned to love God, love others, and make disciples, and you're doing it. And so thank you. Thank you so much. So that's, that's one opportunity. That's a new initiative. I'll tell you how to get plugged into that in a second. I want to go over a couple other initiatives. Maybe you've heard of Five and Change. This is what we do every other month or so. We say, hey, church, if you gave $5 or some change, we can make a change in our uh, community or in our world. And so we say, here's how you can pray. Here's how you can give. And here's how you can go and do something for that. 
something that's very specific, a goal. So a lot of you have prayed, a lot of you have given, a lot of you have done stuff like Love Medina. That's how we fueled Love Medina and things like that. And so Love Medina is another initiative. We'll do it again next year, Lord willing. Well, hopefully the idea too is that we would connect with other churches and be on the same page as a church for um, sharing the message of Jesus to our uh, community. And so we look forward to that and we'll do that next, um, next year as well. And then uh, neighboring. So we have these three like big things to help you be salt and earth and give you that rev that maybe you need or that we need as a church, right? So don't forgo doing that in your everyday life, but know that our church has opportunities for that as well. So neighboring is that. We're trying to mobilize all of the people of Medina East to share the love of Jesus to others. My hope for this, my hope is that for neighboring is that we would reflect 1 Peter 2.12. It says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Sounds a lot like Matthew 5, this repeated tone. When you do good deeds, pray that that glorifies God, our Father in heaven. So I'm gonna encourage you to sign up for this. Here's how you can do that. You can go to medinaeast.gracechurches.org. You can find the uh, neighboring tab. You can go to the giveaway section and read about all the things happening there. If you wanna be part of this group, if you wanna be a volunteer in this group, and by the way, current volunteers who are part of Love Medina, it's just a name change now. It's just neighboring, okay? So you're still part of that group. Um, you don't have to reapply. But if you want to be part of that, 250-plus volunteers, you can apply right now. I won't be mad. You can pull out your phone right now. You can uh, apply. I'll get dinged on my phone, and we can have fun about it, okay? And so uh, apply there for neighboring. If you or someone you know um, has a need, we would love to help take care of that. Um, we can't meet all needs, but we'll meet as many as we can with the people that we have and the resources God has given us. Um, but we've given that application to our community leaders, to the mayor and others, and we encourage you to give that out to people in need. All kinds of things we've done. We've, between like mowing someone's yard or befriending somebody or providing whatever. And so please take advantage of those things, okay? Well, with all of that then, Nope, went too soon. Okay, there's not a blank slide there. I keep forgetting. All right, well, I, uh, I want to end on this, okay? As you're, going, as you're going about these things, as you're doing maybe La Medina, neighboring, as you're doing it, whether with the church or um, on your own because you're just being salt and light to our community, know that there is going to be two kinds of responses. Pretty basic. There's going to be two kinds of responses to your good works and to the gospel, to Jesus, to you. And those two things are this. Rejection and worship. People will reject you and your good works. People will reject the gospel. People will reject Jesus. Some people will worship Jesus, which is a good thing. Some people will even want to worship you as being a good person. We got to fight that. But we'll have two responses. People will reject or people will worship. Rejection. Some people will reject your good works and ultimately reject the gospel. People that were alive in Jesus' day um, saw Jesus' good works, even his miraculous good works, and they still rejected him. And so we shouldn't be surprised when people reject us or Jesus again in the same way. But some people will worship. Some people will worship and find the true Jesus through doing good works, through these things, through sharing the gospel. And we need to celebrate that when that happens. And so praise God when that happens. 1 Corinthians 1, 8, 1 verse 18 says this, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Not everybody's gonna be into this. Not everybody's gonna give their life for real to Jesus. 
But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's not our good deeds. It's not any good works that we're doing. It's the power of God we're being saved in that way. I'm going to invite the band up, and as they do, I, was, I wasn't going to share this passage, but I felt compelled to. I was praying with some guys this morning, and we were just praying over our church in this way, and I think that um, it would be really important to, to share this. I don't have it on the screen, but and this is in Matthew 7. We're going to get to this later on, but um, just something for us to know, that um, to add on to like, this whole idea of having the right perception of good deeds Um, Jesus has some pretty compelling things to say, some pretty kind of harsh things to say. So I just want to use Jesus' words here. He says this, Matthew 7. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast demons in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? And then I will will declare to them, Jesus will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. I say that because, my goodness, it's about following Jesus. It's not about the good works that we do. It's about following Jesus, and there will be people who who miss that. I don't want you to miss that. I want you to follow after Christ. Not, Not Grace Church, not this other stuff, but follow and worship Jesus. I want to challenge and encourage you this. Will you see the kinds of good works that we've been able to do? We talked about today, Love Medina, things like that. If you're not a follower of Jesus here, and if you have somebody in your, uh, in your life that's following Jesus, hopefully they're doing good works, and you see that, would you attribute that to Jesus? Would you investigate? Would you ask about that? Would you investigate the source of our good works? Would you investigate Jesus? Give him a chance. Hear from him. Decide if you are going to reject or worship him. And that's a decision that only you can make. And I, and I would love for you to connect with us, get in a life group, talk with one of our leaders here, and we'd love to share that gospel with you again. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are so good. God, thank you that um, it was no amount of good works that we could do to get to you, to have a relationship with you. Lord, you came down. You came down to be with us. You lived with us. You showed us the way. God, you didn't just show us, but you died for us. And for all that would believe in you, that would worship you, that would give their allegiance to you and abide in you, we have eternal life. And God, for those who have that, those who follow you, Lord, I just pray that as we be salt, as we be light, as we do good deeds, that others would also glorify you, Jesus. Lord, let that be true of us, of our church, of those who follow you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.